All right. Good morning, everybody. Any Star Wars fans out there? All right. Oh, yeah. Quite a few of you. Awesome. So cool. How was that for a scripture reading at the beginning with the words going? I think we should do every scripture reading that way. Just... Star Wars it up, right? I'd, I'd spice things up a little bit. But uh, hey, such powerful images of good and evil, of good and bad, of light and darkness, such powerful words. Hope is not lost. Hope is here. How much more relevant could that be for us in our world today? There is a reason that everybody kind of went like that when that music came on, you know? It just grabs you. Can you believe this? Over 35 years since those original films came out, if my math is correct. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing that they, they still grip us today like they did back then. It is, it is amazing that when something speaks to us at the level of the heart that those stories do, that it grips us. And there's a reason for that. Even in our scripture reading today, there are images of good and evil, of light and darkness, that there is life to be had, but then there is also a thief. There is an enemy. And all the good stories, all the good movies point towards that idea. We are so glad that you are here today. Again, praise God for our worship team. Can we thank God for them one more time? Holy cow. That was so good. Amazing. It is, it is so good to be back with you. I missed you last week as I was uh, preaching at our West Des Moines campus. Some crazy preacher had put up on the stage just yelling at people. I don't know what that was. But uh, it is always good to be back here uh, with you and to be home. And I can honestly say I miss you. Uh, I miss you and we miss you when you're not here as well. But it is always good to be back uh, here in the Hope Des Moines living room where you are Loved and you are welcomed and you are family. Even if this is your first time here or you have never been to Hope Des Moines, you are welcome here and you have a place here. If you're getting caught up, we're in the middle of this sermon series at all of our campuses called The Signs of the Times. The Signs of the Times. And we're uh, looking through the Gospel of John, looking at all these signs that point to Jesus, sometimes by himself and by others that point to the fact that he is who he says he is. And as we dive into our story today from John chapter 10 that you heard read, I want to start with a question this morning, and it's just this. It is kind of not, not, not the first answer that comes to mind or the, what you think the Sunday school answer should be, but I want you to think a little deeper this morning below the surface. What is it that would make an abundant life? What is abundant life? What does life to the full as we heard in our reading today. What does life to the full mean? When you are looking back on your life in hindsight many years from now, and maybe some of you that are getting up in years are starting to do this right now. You're getting a little bit nostalgic and you're looking back on your life. And if you're younger, imagine yourself 20, 30, 40, 50 years older than you are right now and you're looking back on your life. How will you know that you can say without a doubt, I lived an abundant life? What would that look like for you? In that sense, as we get some perspective, it might be helped to pull back and to ask some people that are farther along in years. In fact, several years ago, there was a survey uh, that was given to a bunch of uh, elderly folks in their 90s, believe it or not. They went to some retirement homes and connected with some of these people. And it was around this time of year, around the, the, the Thanksgiving, preparing for that time of year as they're getting a little bit nostalgic. And they simply asked this question to a lot of these folks in their 90s. If you could do your life over again, what would you do differently? You're thinking about that for yourself right now. If you could do your life over again, what would you do differently? What would change? 
And so the, the main response of all these folks in their 90s, the, the first main response was, what? Huh? I just, I'm just kidding. I have not, just, we, we, we joke and we have fun. No, no harm is meant by that. You get that. I'm glad you laughed. Okay, I didn't want to get booed off the stage at the beginning. No, the, the first main theme that came out was simply this. I would risk more. I would risk more. Not uh, crazy, silly, stupid risks, but I would take more chances. I would seize more opportunities for adventure. That was the first major theme. The second thing that they said that they would do differently, they said, I would, I would reflect more. I would have taken time to breathe it in. I would mark more moments. I would have stopped and slowed down and considered what really mattered more often. That was the second main theme. And the third major theme, they said, I would spend more time. This was not a Christian survey. This was just random thousands of people in their 90s. The third major theme, I would spend more time on things that would somehow live on after I was gone. I would spend more time doing things and being a part of things that will last long after I'm gone. Interesting. You look at those, and the question, as you look a little deeper and peel back the layers, the question they're essentially asking was, do you feel like you lived an abundant, full life? Because if you say, I lived an abundant, full life, you're not going to get to the end of your life with a whole bunch of regrets. And I'm not saying all these people did, but that's essentially the question that's being tossed around. What would have made you satisfied? What could have happened in your life that would have made it complete, that would have made it full? And notice in those top answers, there was nothing about having more money. There was nothing about somebody saying, I wish I would have had a bigger house. I wish I would have had a different car. Definitely, there was not, I wish I would have worked more hours in the week. There was no, boy, I'm so glad I missed all those times with my family. No, there is, I wish I would have slowed down more. Instead, what they found was an abundant life is found, most importantly, in the things that money can't buy. Living the adventure of life, pouring yourself into a few key relationships, and living for things that will last, dare I say, living for eternity. So it begs the question, if we want to find life, how do we find it? How do we find that life to the full? How do we live the kind of life so that many years from now, we're not looking back on our lives saying, I wish I would have had more adventure. I wish I would have spent more time with my family and friends and relationships. I wish I would have lived for things that were matter. I wasted so much time. How do you live an abundant, full life? If, if there was a, a picture of that, I hope you can all see this, but if there was a picture of that, let's just say that this dot marks you, wherever you're at right now. And even if you're up in years and, and you're saying, oh, my best years are behind me, I want to challenge you with something this morning as you think about this. That this is not a time in your life to kick up your heels and just coast. My question for you, wherever you're at in life, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter where you are this morning on the map of life, what if your next five years were going to be your best five years? What if the next five years of your life, you could make a bigger impact for the kingdom of God than you have ever made before? 
It's not, oh, it's just for the young ones. I've done my time. I've spent my time in the church, and now I'm going to kick back and let other people do it. No, we need you. We need you. So wherever you're at, this applies to you. And if you're here, and let's just say that the abundant life that, that we're offered is here, how do you get from there to there? And however long this is, this may be just a couple years, that may be a lifelong journey, but how do you get from here to there? Well, the world doesn't have a shortage of answers. You know that. The world throws out all these answers of what's going to promise you, what's going to fill you up. I find it interesting. It is good and healthy to love movies. I love Star Wars. I'm so excited for this new one to come out. It is so interesting, though, to talk to people that are like huge Star Wars fans. It's like when this movie comes, their life will be complete until it's time for the next one and the next one, right? It's like Rocky, 17, you know? Like, we just need another one, right? Like, we crave those things, but I think it speaks to something different. We're always chasing that carrot. We always want something more. So how do you know if you have an abundant life? How do you get there? Well, our story offers an answer to that today. In fact, Jesus himself stands up in the middle of the crowd and says this, in John chapter 10, verse 10, and let's read it together nice and loud up on the screen. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. An abundant, full life, which is maybe not the first thing that many people think of when they think of Christianity. Some of you are brand new to the faith. Some of you have friends or coworkers or neighbors that want nothing to do with the church and nothing to do with Christianity, and you know why? Because the kind of Christianity and the kind of church that's been portrayed to them is not an abundant full life. The misperception out there about Christianity that the offer of Christianity is be a good, moral, nice person. Drink less, swear less, and try to be a decent human being. And that's an abundant full life. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. It's just that's not the primary reason that Jesus came. The reason Jesus came, the reason that Jesus said what he said that day and was not ashamed to stand up and say that, to say, come to me, I'm it, I'm what you're looking for, is because you know that ache in your gut when you are all alone and you finally get quiet And things are quiet and you slow down and maybe you just have one of those moments where you think, where's my life headed? You know that desire that you have, that you feel maybe when you go to bed at night and you're just so dissatisfied or you're still looking for something? If I only had that, that craving in our soul, that craving in our gut, that that, that, that desire that you can't escape to find peace, or to find pleasure, or however you seek that, or to find joy, and it just doesn't go away. No matter how long, maybe you've been disconnected from Jesus, maybe you haven't been to worship in a couple years, maybe you can't remember the last time you prayed or read your Bible, that craving for life. Jesus answers that and says, I want you to have this. That's why Jesus came, because I want to fill that void in your life. I want to fill, I want to satisfy that craving that you have. Not just give you happiness. And and, and Jesus says, what I mean by this is not, oh, happy, happy, joy, joy. 
put a smile on your face and be happy. That's not the abundant life we're talking about. It's deeper than happiness. It's joy. It's not just a good time on the weekend. Jesus says, I want you to have pleasure. I want you to have peace. I want you to have joy. I want you to have freedom. And this is not a safe and comfortable life either. Some of you think, if I only get to that place where I find my seat in worship and I have my coffee and I come and I do my thing every week, I have arrived as a Christian. I'll say, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Jesus had this amazing ability to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And until that happens in our life, we will not find the abundant life that he is offering. So how do we get there? How do we get to the abundant life that Jesus is holding out for you this morning? He says, it's available I'm not offering you more religion. I'm not offering you a to-do list. I'm not offering you the invitation to be a moral person. I'm offering you life to fill that void of whatever else you're seeking in your life. And it turns out that our scripture gives us a great analogy today in John chapter 10 of something that I'm sure a lot of you know a lot about and are experts in that's going to help us figure out the meaning of life. Sheep herding. Everybody with me? Let's open to John chapter 10. We're going to figure it out, all right? Now, as an expert on this, growing up in the fields of Story City, Iowa, and, you know, as I grew up and my job as a teenager was out there herding sheep, this is what I understand about sheep herding. Sheep are not the smartest animals in the world, are they? I know nothing about sheep. Everything I know about sheep is from John 10. That's it. So that's what I'm going with today, all right? If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. We're actually going to start at verse 7. We're going to start at verse 7. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he tells a story about a uh, a shepherd and the sheep, and the Pharisees don't get it. You know, that's a big surprise. So he explains it. Verse 7, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. And then Jesus just comes right out and says it. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. They will find what you're looking for. You know the U2 song? I still haven't found what I'm looking for, right? There's a reason that's one of the most popular songs of all time, because it speaks to every single one of us. We're all looking for that, and Jesus comes right out and says it. If you follow me, you're going to get there. But you got to stick close to the shepherd. It's important to know the context of this, that often when we preach, we just preach on these isolated things. But I want you to know, John chapter 10 is conveniently located after John chapter 9. Okay? And in the Greek... 10 comes after 9, so that's pretty deep. So what's happening here is that Jesus just got done talking to the Pharisees at the end of chapter 9, and it would be very helpful to know that the reason he goes into this analogy about there's some good shepherds and there's some not-so-good shepherds, there's some thieves and some robbers and some hired hands that don't really care about the sheep. This is a smack in the face to the religious establishment of the day. Jesus is speaking to these Pharisees that at the end of chapter 9, remember a couple weeks ago, didn't want anything to do with Jesus healing a blind man. And Jesus just got done telling them, you're blind. They just kicked out a blind man from church, and a formerly blind man from church, and Jesus now looks at the Pharisees and says, because you don't recognize that and you don't respect me as God, you're the ones that are blind. 
And he continues the illustration. And so Jesus is using this analogy of a shepherd and sheep, but he's also making a pretty harsh criticism of the religious leaders of the day. And he sets up this comparison of how we're going to find that abundant life. There's a comparison between him as the good shepherd and between the world. The shepherds of the world, the hired hands that the world throws out there. This I know about sheep. If you are trying to get sheep from here to there, and that's who Jesus calls us, is sheep. If you're trying to get them from here to there, what do you call sheep without a shepherd? Lost. Lost. Confused. We don't know where to go. You're going to need a good shepherd. The question is, who are you going to follow? If you are looking for love and peace and joy and satisfaction, if you're looking to get to the end of your life and know that you didn't waste it, how do you get there? And it starts by asking, who are you going to follow? And some of you are like, Sunday school answer, Jesus. It's either that or squirrel, normally. Think a little bit deeper. Do I really know the good shepherd? I know you know the scripture. I know you can recite Psalm 23, but do you know the shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He, and on and on and on and on. It's speaking to the same thing. Do you know the shepherd? And Jesus sets up this contrast on either side. There's two different roads. There's two different paths. One of the good shepherd and one of the world. And the first contrast that Jesus sets up in this story is who will you listen to? Look at verse 3. Go back up to verse 3. Jesus is painting this picture. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice, meaning the shepherd. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep, get this, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So you understand what Jesus is setting up here. There is a flock of sheep. That's us. There is the shepherd. That's Jesus. Okay? And then there is the gatekeeper, the owner, which is God. And Jesus, God has sent Jesus to be our good shepherd. And there we are. So he's painting this picture. And Jesus makes the first step very clear. Sheep find their way by listening to the voice of the shepherd. That's the first step. They find their way by listening to the voice of the shepherd. I was doing some research uh, because I am novice at this, but I, there was a video where they had like seven different people go up to a herd of sheep and do the exact same call to get them. It was a shaky YouTube video, so I'm sparing you that. But they had seven different people and all do like the or whatever the call was, do the exact same thing, and the sheep did nothing. And then they sent the shepherd did the exact same call in his unique tone of voice, and all of the sheep in unison went, huh? and they just popped up. And he kept doing it, and all of them came and just surrounded him and stood right around him. It was amazing. And when Jesus gives this illustration, this was a very common job in these days. It'd be like if you use the example of like a teacher or an accountant or whatever and, and a construction worker. That would be our modern example, but there was a lot of shepherds in Jesus' day, and so people understood this illustration. When he says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice, he's saying, that's you. That's you. Jesus makes it pretty clear Followers of Jesus hear the voice of God. And some of you are like, no, John, I grew up in a church tradition where here's the deal. 
God only spoke to people in the Bible. You know, it's like an Old Testament thing. Well, that's a problem because God's speaking to people all over the New Testament too. And at the end of the Gospels, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you and I'm sending my counselor, the Holy Spirit, to continue to speak to you and my spirit communicates with your spirit. I have much more to say to you. And then in John 10, he says this thing, my sheep know my voice. Do you? Do you know his voice? There is a reason God wouldn't have given us an entire Bible full of examples of God communicating with his people in two-way dialogue unless he wanted it to be the rule rather than the exception. Not just in the big things, but in the daily things. Just as a shepherd walks with his flock all day, Jesus says, I'm right there beside you. I mean, that's all prayer is, you know. Just a conversational intimacy with God, just talking with him back and forth. We have a uh, bedtime routine with our two-and-a-half-year-old Caleb. We brush our teeth, we put on our PJs, we read two books, and then when I'm putting him to bed, and Tiffany does this as well, is we talk. And I just say, Caleb, how are you? And we speak to him like an adult, and we ask him how his day was and what he's feeling about and what he's thinking about. And you might think it's this really deep experience, but normally it's we talk about excavators and Thomas the Train. So that's what we talk we talk about, and so one night, I mean, that's our routine, and if we deviate from that routine, he freaks out. And so one night, I was so tired, and I was out of it, and I just wanted to go to bed myself, and I'm like falling asleep, reading the books to him, and we did the whole routine, the teeth, and the pajamas, and the books, and everything like that, and then after the second book, I didn't take the time to talk to him, and I turned off, I got up from his bed, and I turned off the light, and I started to walk out the door, and I was walking out the door, Like, he's having conversation with me. Like, you are a real human being. This is amazing. I hear this little voice go, Daddy? And I go, yeah, bud? (laughs) He's sitting back up in his bed, Indian style, on a cross leg, and he goes like this. We forgot to talk. (laughs) Oh! (sighs) And after I pick myself up off the floor... We forgot to talk. And I was thinking about how I talk to so many people that when I talk about hearing the voice of God or knowing God's will or how often I read my Bible, I haven't read my Bible in a long time, I, 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 I'm not very good at prayer, I don't know what to say, all these things. There's so much guilt and condemnation around that of I'm, I'm a bad Christian, all this stuff. And in that moment, it's like God was saying, that's my heart for you. That's my heart for you today. Not, why haven't you been to church in three months? Why haven't you read your Bible? You need to pray more. You need to be a better Christian. I think that God just looks down and goes, hey, we forgot to talk. I just want to talk to you as simple as a shepherd talks to his sheep. Are you listening to the voice of the shepherd? We, we forgot to talk. Just the longing of a shepherd to communicate and call out to his sheep. That's all God wants with you. That's what prayer is. If you had the opportunity to talk with the most powerful, wise, generous, uh, uh, gentle, all-knowing person in the world, would you do it? And that's the opportunity that we have every day, not just Sundays at church. This is an everyday thing. 
Some of you are saying, I long to know what God's voice is like. I want to hear from him. Well, you can, and there's so many parts to that and so many aspects to that, and I just want to challenge you with one thing today. The best advice that I can give you in learning to hear the voice of God, get alone with this book. I dare you. And I know it's like, oh, you're the pastor, you get paid to say that, read your Bible, blah, 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 I've heard this before. Do you actually read it? No guilt, no condemnation today, just your heavenly Father saying, we haven't talked in a while. We haven't talked in a while, and I want to communicate with you. I have so many things I want to say to you, just like a shepherd communicates with his sheep. And as you get to know the Bible, you'll get to know God's character and the way that he's spoken, and so you'll be able to distinguish what's the shepherd's voice versus what's other voices in the world, which there are plenty of. There are plenty of voices of the world. There's lots of clutter out there. There's lots of noise. And often what we do, here's where the rubber meets the road. Instead of saying, God, I value your opinion above all else. I'm only going to listen to the shepherd. What do we do when we're struggling in our marriages? Where, what do you do when the finances are tight? What do you do when you're single and you're lonely and you have that longing for love? What do you do when your kids are pushing you to the limit? Oh, I know. Let's see what everybody's saying on Facebook. Let me read some blogs about it. Remember that one article online? Remember that one article in that magazine? What's everybody else doing? I'll just do that. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things as long as all of those are held up to the voice of the shepherd. And what happens when the voice of your shepherd and all those other voices don't line up? For Jesus, those other voices were false teachers and other religious people and the Pharisees. But for us, I think it's a little bit more subtle. What do you do when there's an opinion out there that's popular about how to spend your money differs from what your shepherd says? What do you do when there's an opinion out there about how busy you should make your kids and what everybody else is doing differs from what the shepherd says? That maybe that's not abundant life. What do you do when what dating looks like and how everybody else is doing the dating scene doesn't line up with what the shepherd says? What do you do when what constitutes a good time on the weekend where life is truly found doesn't line up with what the good shepherd says? Have you asked him about any of those things? I just want to talk. Not just as one more opinion, but as God. But as your God, whose voice matters most? Because if we're honest, even when the good shepherd says, real life is over here, this is where abundant life is, this is where the love and the peace and the joy are found, abundant life is over here, we still go our own way. We still think that the real fun is over here. So back to our son, Caleb, for a second. So when he's not uh, wanting to talk uh, to his dad in his bed, he's running around like a madman. And so as he's getting older, I'm trying to find intentional time with him. And those of you that are parents and you have multiple kids, you know how important it is to spend quality time with them as a group, but also individually. And I'm trying to do that with Caleb. And so I pick him up from daycare at the church one day and, and uh, we're driving and we don't start going down the road towards home. And he's smart enough now. He goes, daddy, again, where are we going, daddy? And I turn around and I look at him and I go, 
we're going to go to a fun place. And he goes, whoa, because we're dudes and that's how we talk, right? So that's what we call any place that's fun, the fun place, right? And so I take him to the mall and we go to this play area at the mall for parents that want to check their cell phones. And, and that we go there, I'm just kidding, I do it too, I do it too. I'm just as guilty. But you look around and all the parents are like this and the kids are running into things. And so like, I'm going to spend some quality time with Caleb. And so we go to this play place and I kid you not, we get like 50 yards from it. We're walking down the, the long hallway at the mall and he sees the entrance to the kids' play place, the, the fun place, with all these slides and ladders and things to jump on and blow up animals and everything. And he had a stocking hat on and his coat and it was like this dramatic scene from a movie, like rips his hat off and throws it down. And I'm like, you, do you know how to take off your coat? and he just rips his coat off and throws it down and just runs right full steam into the play place. Oh, 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 like that, just like a madman. Okay, I guess we're going to go to the fun place. And so we go there and there's animals and tunnels and trains and he just started taking off and he's just running from one thing to the next. I, 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 just one thing to the next, this huge play area. And I, I stopped him and I looked him in the eyes and said, Caleb, is this fun? And he goes, yeah! And then he just runs. So that's what we're doing. And after a few minutes, out of the opening of the place, so there's a boundary here. There's a gate and then there's a boundary. There's a fence all around it. And parents can sit on the inside of the outside. Well, I'm inside because I don't want him to kill himself. And so I'm kind of watching him. And then he spots out the gate, outside of the boundaries of the play place, he spots, spots this kiosk that has puzzles. Train puzzles. And he looks at it, and all of a sudden, he just takes off out of the fun place, out of the boundaries that I had set up, say, this is the fun place. And he takes off and goes after this kiosk. And then I have to go get him, and two or three times, he does this. And finally, the third time, I grab him by the shoulders, and I bend down, and I say, Caleb, buddy, you can't go out there. Because if you go out there, I don't know where you are. And I can't protect you out there. I'm with you in here. This is where the fun is at. And I looked at him and I said, this is the fun place. Because it's safe here. Because I'm with you and I'm protecting you. And it's inside my boundaries that I've set up for you. And yet you are convinced that running over there somewhere is going to be better for you. How often do we buy into the lie that the fun place is somewhere else? That the abundant life, that the joy is somewhere else, outside of the boundaries, outside of the sheep pen. And that's why Jesus says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, and the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. A bit of background into sheep herding will show you that there's a reason you don't see sheep alone too often. There's a reason that there is boundaries to the fun place, that there's a gate. There's a reason that sheep stick together. Any shepherd will tell you the sheep pen is not there to take away their freedom. It's to keep them alive. It's to keep them alive. So my heart as a father with Caleb isn't to steal his joy by saying you can't go outside of the play area. I'm saying this is where the fun is. 
This is where the joy is, and yet you're convinced it's somewhere else. And Jesus asked in your own search for life, will you stay under the shepherd's protection? Or will you go your own way? Will you take this road, or will you take this road? Again, the lie that the world wants to sell us and that you will hear over and over and over and over again, real freedom in life is doing whatever you want. Real freedom is not having some God or some authority in your life telling you what to do. And the lie is if you stay inside of that fence, there's no joy there. You've got to go somewhere else. I don't need God telling me how to live my life. Because the real party is over there. You ever wonder why Jesus told the story of the shepherd that left the 99 to find the one? Sounds crazy. Why would you leave your whole flock behind to find one? Until you realize that a sheep trying to do life on their own is doomed. Outside of the sheep pen sounded like a lot of fun and a lot of freedom until the wolf comes. So it's it's a lot of fun, it seems, to go our own way. And we'll start deviating from the path until we realize this isn't fun anymore. (laughs) The wolf comes, and for some of us, the wolf isn't an animal. The wolf is a substance that we've run after. For some of us, the wolf is relationship after relationship. For some of us, the wolf that's going to destroy us is those websites that you go to when nobody else is around. For some of us, the wolf is working yourself to the bone at work. And all those things promise life. Go after it. Go your own way and you'll find joy and you'll find pleasure. And they all promise life, but they end up destroying us. Just like the sheep that goes off by their own and then the wolf or the bear comes and now there's nobody there to protect them. And so God says, my boundaries don't exist to steal your joy. They're there to protect you from all the counterfeit paths that will lead you nowhere and will leave you empty. I am the good shepherd. Trust me. Very, very practically. This is the fun place. These are the boundaries. This is where the joy is. Reinterpret God's laws. Reinterpret his commands on your life. Jesus says, the reason I command you to take a day of Sabbath is because I created you for it and I don't want you to destroy your body. The reason I want you to be faithful to one man or one woman your whole life is because real freedom and real pleasure is found in the protection of a lifelong commitment. Jesus says, I'm giving you these laws. The the, the, the reason that I want you to start giving away your money and all your possessions generously instead of keeping it to yourself is because I want you to have a life that's free of stress and free of the false security and robbing you of the joy of blessing others. Would you believe that the shepherd has your best interests in mind? This is the fun place. Stay close to the shepherd and you will find life. Jesus says, remember what the offer is. It's life. I'm not here to take from you. I'm here to give. 
I want you to run around like crazy going, ah, 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 experiencing more life than you've ever had before. And if there was ever a doubt of how the good shepherd feels about you, this is where the story ends. Jesus carries this illustration out to the fullest. And in verse 14, he says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, listen to this, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus says at the end of the day, you can make me a priority in your life or not. You can go in your own way or not. But one thing I want you to never doubt, and I want you to hear this loud and clear this morning, I never want you to doubt how deeply I love you. I am for you. I will do anything for you. Shepherds in biblical times, <laughs> we have this perception that they were wimpy little farmers. <laughs> they were warriors. Why? Because your flock is your livelihood. It's all you've got. So if a bear or a wolf comes, guess who's taking them on? You, the shepherd. There's a reason that when David fought Goliath, he's like, I can take him. I've killed bears and wolves with my own bare hands before. Goliath? Warrior shepherds, and so is your Savior. And often this battle with wolves or bears would be a fight to the death. And the final choice that we have is to trust in the shepherd's sacrifice or we can fight alone. Are you going to trust for the shepherd to fight for you, or are you going to fight alone? Are you going to say, I'll just try to be a good enough person. I'll try to be religious enough. I'll try to be strong enough. I'll try to be smart enough. And then maybe God will be pleased with me, and then I can get to heaven someday. The problem is that we're not fighting bears and wolves. You and I are fighting things that we will never be able to defeat on our own the reality of our own death and the reality of our own sin. And we need something way stronger than morality. We need something way stronger than religion. We're going to need a warrior shepherd to fight for us. And instead of fighting a wolf or a bear, he took on our sin. He took on our death and the power of hell and kicked them to the curb once and for all. Amen? That's our shepherd. You don't find the abundant life that Jesus is offering by being good enough, by being a religious person. You find it by trusting in the good shepherd who has laid down his life for you. And after studying sheep and shepherds all week, I thought I understood the heart of a shepherd. And then I came across Murat. <laughs> this shepherd that lives in Central Asia in the middle of nowhere. But he understands John 10. Look at this story of the shepherd and think about your good shepherd. Let's take a look. And after I watch that, I don't know if I will ever look at John 10 or Psalm 23 for that matter the same. Did you hear what he said? I purposely choose the weak, hurting sheep. And I take them home. And I heal them. And I call them my own. 
And in his love for those sheep, we catch just a glimpse of the love that the good shepherd has for you. And he says to you today, I choose you no matter what condition you find yourself in. And I want to take you and I want to heal your wounds and I want to call you my own and I will take care of you and I will protect you and I will provide for you and I will fight for you and I will even lay down my life for you and I have on an old Roman cross so that you would never doubt my love for you. Learn to hear the voice of the shepherd. Stay in his boundaries. Stay in his protection and you'll find the fun place. And trust his heart that he has laid down his life for you. You don't have to be so strong. You don't have to have it all figured out. You have a good shepherd. And you can trust him because he's laid down his life for you so that you could find the abundant life that you are looking for. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and pray together. Jesus, we admit that sometimes we feel like those sheep that are being sold that are looking for somebody to take care of us. We're the ones kind of off to the side wondering if we matter sometimes, wondering if you see us, wondering if maybe you've forgotten about us. And God, I just, I get the sense that there's some people here this morning that are maybe feeling lost or alone. Maybe feeling isolated or invisible to you, God. And I pray right now that you would impress on them this image of the good shepherd. God, that you would make it so real in our lives that you are for us. God, thank you for your love and for your grace and for your protection. And I pray this week that we would slow down and not spend so much time doing things for you, but simply being with you and letting ourselves be loved by you and that our serving and our loving and our doing would flow out of the care and the love that you offer us as the shepherd. God, I pray that in everything we do this week that we would just have this overwhelming sense that you are right there beside us like a shepherd with his sheep. God, we love you and we thank you for loving us first and that you've given us that love to fill our hearts, to overflow in us so that we can reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said together, amen, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go be the church. Go get connected. Have a great week.